Hello pod people, you're listening to the second episode of the Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies, the aspirational podcast for hopeless people. And yes, I am still your host, Donna Scott, a stand-up comedian who's about to do a lot of sitting down, as on last week. How have you been? I'll just imagine you answering me there. This week I should have been in Edinburgh with my comedy troupe, The Extraordinary Time-Travelling Adventures of Baron Munchausen. But because, of course, I could have been having my operation at any time, Nigel Lovell and Will Seward have been joined instead by the very lovely Jen Strike, a fellow comedian from my now hometown of Northampton. I've known Jen for yonks, and though she is quite new to the stand-up genre of comedy, for a long time she has been a bit of a whiz at improv, and she's blooming fab. You may have seen her doing her stuff with the same faces, or box of frogs comedy, or even fluttering her eyelashes as a bit of a bikini babe in Laugh Island. A safer pair of hands at improv you will not find, as improv Yoda would have said. Yes, or yes and. There is no no. That's my Yoda impression, sorry. So, Jen has been spending the week doing my job in Edinburgh, as well as zipping around doing other shows there before flitting off to Camden, yeah, Camden Fringe, in fact, to do Laugh Island and a few other improv shows, because she's very, very mad and she thinks sleep can wait. Well, the Baron's troupe have all had a lot to celebrate this week, although somewhat vicariously on my part, as I was emergency replaced in case of sudden operations when the Baron's chums played the Greater Manchester Fringe last month as well. And my replacement there was Ellie Griffiths, who was having her very first go at performing in the show. But she must have done a sterling job indeed, as the judges have just announced that the extraordinary time-travelling adventures of Baron Munchausen has won Best Children's Show at Greater Manchester Fringe. We did win a prize! I am thrilled to bits to be part of an award-winning show. Although, I don't think I can rightly claim it as a personal win in any way. Or can I? No, no I can't. Well done everybody else. (laughs) Well, what with everyone at the Fringe, I've tried my best to keep up with my creative life. Even though for some reason I am permanently exhausted. But I have been doing my reading for the British Fantasy Awards and I'm halfway through the list of short stories. And there really are some cracking stories on that list. But I shall expand upon my very, very positive opinion no further. And I've also been to Northampton Arts Lab this week where I let everyone know about Eric. That's my tumour's name. As I hadn't really told many people before this last week and how my surgery is going to impact timescales for my upcoming Arts Lab workshops that I've got going on and my schedule for our science fiction anthology. And while I was there, I got a copy of The Last Ever League of Extraordinary Gentlemen by Alan Moore, yes. And it's space gridtastic. So apart from trying not to fall asleep on the buses and failing, (laughs) I've been indulging in lots of free pizza this week at work. And I'm not going to lie, I'm not tracking it. No, there's no point. No point counting points. No point at all. Uh, My nurse did tell me I've got to start making sure my diet is really healthy after the op. But let's face it. I am having a lot of things taken out my belly this week, and one of them is fat. You know what that means? Free lipo. (laughs) Followed by lots of morphine, which is what the models in the 80s used to stay really slim. I also have to have drinks before I go into surgery as well, and I love the name of my drink they've got to have. It's called Preload. (laughs) I like the way my Midland nurse tried to sell this Preload to me as well. 
she held it up in front of her face like an advert going, Preload is a tasteless, flavourless drink. I'm like, mmm, tasteless. That's my favourite after vanilla. <laughs> and that thing is, uh, Preload. What a name. I wonder if it'll make me feel like I used to when I used to try to preload at uni before I went to parties, uh, you know, with a bottle of Thunderbirds. Oh, my God. Um, well, if I wake up with half-digested chips in my hair, then yes. Oh, they do give these things funny names. Um, my husband had a, a little bit of a, um, a a camera thing last year, and they gave him um, basically like some fluid to drink that was a bit like drain cleaner, and it's called movie prep. Movie prep. Why? Why? Because you're having a camera up there, and you're getting ready for your close-up, Mr. DeMille. Flipping it. What else have I got to tell you? Oh... I've been to my allotment today and I have come back with a sack full of marrows. Yes, because I should have picked my courgettes earlier, but I didn't. I let them grow. They are massive. And um, I'm, I'm like hauling this sack of marrows back from my allotment today. And I'm wearing my um, lovely packer mat because it has been absolutely tipping it down with rain. Resplendent with lots of pictures of badges on it because that's my thing. And I'm crossing the road to come home and... A car stops, which is good because I had pressed the, the button, and somebody winds down their window and starts wolf whistling at me and going, ooh, you're really sexy. And I'm about to, to demonst- you know, demonst- demonstrate, I'm about to remonstrate with them going, young men should not be shouting out at ladies, when they basically sort of like gave me a parting shot at the window of like, Said no one ever. Uh, uh, good grief. So, yeah, I'm always getting this kind of attention when I come back to the allotment for some reason. Um, the thing is, you've got to really, really feel sorry for those lads in the car because, you know, you know they're going to not be able to drive very soon, what with being going blind and everything. Poor guys. <laughs> uh, and what else have I been up to this week? I've, I've been doing a lot of historical, like... Not really research, not at all. I went to see horrible histories, um, so like I've been really looking forward to seeing horrible histories for ages. And it was like I was being driven towards it yesterday because I woke up uh, very late and I put on Radio Four, and I'm hearing a conversation on Radio Four at the end of it, and one of the people speaking was Greg Jenner, one of the um, historians who contributed to horrible histories. And he's written a book, which he was talking about his how he felt when he was writing the book. And then that program finished. And then Katie Brand's program came on, and she's talking to Greg Jenner about shoes. Um, so I thought, oh, flipping heck! Then I went and watched uh, Horrible Histories, and I do follow Greg Jenner on on Twitter. And I saw him. He's in it. He's in it in the background. He's got no lines, just like I've got no lines in the show. Yep. So you know. Pff success um for me but very successful greg jenner that's two lots of radio 4 and one one film i saw him in um yes uh, yesterday but I, I was really really looking forward to horrible histories because i love horrible histories um and not just because of my memories of simon farnaby alike my gynecologist sort of like having his hand inside me um last month no not at all um but i love just hor- horrible histories anyway oh god um um and um of course Kate Nash is in it as Boudica and she does some really good numbers, really good singing numbers. The rhymes for Boudica are a little bit sketchy, like 
Boudica. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, she sings them very well. She's, her, her talent covers up for the, the lack of rhyming possibilities with Boudica. It's, it's really funny. There's so many bits in it. Um, uh, I just love horrible histories. Uh, I must say that I've got a bit of a, a bit of a girl crush on Kate Nash because uh, uh, she's just amazing. I, I hadn't really sort of like given her much thought before I watched the film that she was in. On it's on available on iPlayer at the moment. It's called Underestimate the Girl, and that's like a documentary about uh, how she's basically been messed around by the music industry and how she got dropped by her label and then. Um, came fighting back and then she's in glow and stuff uh, so it's, it's w- worth a watch honestly and um some of the the music that i hadn't heard before um i watched the show is is really really good <laughs> um so yeah i recommend for kate nash there also in in the film like on screen at the same time her her, her nemesis is uh played by rupert graves so it's like two crushes on screen at once because rupert graves i kind of like him and another thing I watched yesterday, because I'm doing an awful, awful lot of just watching stuff, was Who Do You Think You Are? Because there's a new series started. I've not seen them all yet. I don't think we're going to top Danny Dyer's effort. That was amazing. But I did watch um, Jack and Michael Whitehall do their family tree. And some of that is really funny. It's almost like Jack Whitehall has been told that his ancestor really is Thou Shalt Not Commit Adultery Pulsifer. Because he he has some terrible ancestors. <laughs> it's really funny. Now here's the thing: when I am famous, when when I but I I'm not, I'm not going to be famous. But if I suppose if no, when I am famous, and they come to me to to do the old who do you think you are, family tree thing, it's going to be a bit tricky because I've kind of done my family tree quite a lot now. I've 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 found out so much about my family. One of the things I found out about my dad's side of the family is that like a great granddad got involved in a really horrific train accident in like 1858 and like his mother got decapitated and she was pregnant. <laughs> I'm why am I laughing? That's not funny. <laughs> But they had the inquest in the pub, and so like I, I can see like a great uncle who then had to sort of like look after all the little orphan siblings, including my great 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 granddad, and uh, he had to look after them with his wife, whose name was Comfort, a really weird name. I found quite a lot of really interesting stuff about my mother's side of the family, because my my mum always said for ages, oh we're descended from from salt travellers, as she called them, salt salt travellers. I've tried looking up this term. Anyway, nobody calls them salt travellers. They call them salt hawkers or, or just travellers. I've got a, a picture on my laptop of what I've discovered is is my great-gran, who I actually remember meeting because <laughs> um, she had a house not very far away um, from her daughter-in-law, who is my nan, in, in Sedgley. And I can remember just meeting her and she had her hair in a bun and she had a very short grandfather clock that she was like no taller than herself and she didn't seem to like be very fussed about to meet me and I'm like hello I'm cute meet me she had made me no interest whatsoever so I just basically went went round her little flat picking up all the horse brasses <laughs> and sort of playing with them and I remember she had like a like a like a bell thing which was like a woman in a skirt and yeah that's all I can remember about her is that she she didn't want me in her flat but I have a picture of her now 
on my laptop, which is um, her sitting aside her horse and cart, which was actually set, used as a postcard in um, like the Black Country. Come to the Black Country, we have travellers. <laughs> they were apparently a feature of the Black Country, and they lived in a little village called Ruiton. Is that? Hang on, Donna. You're saying they were travellers and yet they lived in a village. Yeah, they did for half the year. That's where they settled. Um, my mother had it that they settled in Ruiton and they stopped travelling. But it, it, it was more that they just stayed there for half the year. And then the rest of the time they were all over the, the Midlands um, selling salt and pots and pans and all sorts of stuff. And they had quite a lot of like sav savvy intelligence you know that they they knew that they wanted a, a good business sort of like opportunity where you know a lot of a lot of people in the black country were were stuck in sort of like very awful grafty jobs and they basically did a lot of sort of like dossing about <laughs> and not very much work for the for the for the for the recompense as it were but they were renowned, absolutely renowned, as being thick. <laughs> they called them the Gornal Donkeys because apparently they were no more intelligent than the, the beasts that they drove. And um, the, I've I've read some stories. I've read. Luckily, I could find out quite a lot about them because they were always getting into trouble with the police uh, for being drunk and disorderly. Uh, where do I get that from? <laughs> Just the drunk bit, not disorder. Well, you know. La 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 la. Short drunk lady, that's me. Yeah, so they're always getting into trouble. There was like one like great 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 uncle uh, who at the age of 15 was out with his dad's lodger and they, they got drunk and a policeman stopped them and they tried to sell, tell the policeman that they weren't drunk. I mean, they actually felt, found them fallen on the floor outside the pub they'd been in because <laughs> they couldn't stand. They were that paralytic. And they told the policeman that they weren't drunk they were just dizzy because they'd been on a roundabout. Yeah, that sounds plausible. <laughs> yeah, I've also heard stories of one guy who... Oh, yeah, the, there was, like, several traveller families in the area. So, like, I'm ready to pretty much all of them because they did a lot of getting together. But the the main family would be the Watton family um, that I'm related to. And... What they used to do was they'd make a lot of money, but they didn't trust banks or anything. So they'd put, they'd hide their money in the brickworks of their houses. And what they used to do was they used to like sort of like put little arrows on the brickworks so that they could remember where they'd hidden their money. So they just used to go around taking each other's money from behind each other's bricks. And then one of the um, the, the travellers had. I thought, oh, I know how I'm going to get around this. And he put his money in a tin and buried it in his garden. And his son found out and had a right go at him. He was like, you can't bury your money there. It's just going to rot. And he opened, basically got the, the tin out with the money at the, at the ground and it started to go. So he had to then take it into the post office who would then honour the value of the money. And apparently the smell was so bad from these, these rotten notes that they had to fumigate the post office <laughs> so yeah <laughs> they are so stupid in fact i've got a little point of pride apparently i've been looking for it but i heard that they were they got discussed yeah I'm, I'm trying to find proof but 
uh, one of the things that they got in trouble for was keeping the kids out of school. So there was a lot of truancy and the truant officer would be around to sort of like try and find where they'd, they'd gone to. Some of the sums the census says that they're in a field somewhere and they managed to locate them there. What they would then do was, uh, and I have heard, but I haven't found um, the documentation, was that my family was discussed in Parliament as a reason to uh, extend the school leaving age to 12. So, so they were responsible for an Educational Reform Act happening. Let us not let the rest of the country descend into the depravity and stupidity of the Gornal donkeys, Donna's ancestors. <laughs> I tell you that, I am a genius. I, I don't know. All, you know my, my, my brothers and, and sisters are very clever. I have a one cousin who went to Cambridge. She's still the only person from her school who went to Cambridge. But that's a cousin. I've also got cousins who've been on Jeremy Carl. We're very mixed. We're very mixed. To me, there is no greater example of just how stupid my ancestors were than when I look at basically just my family tree and have a look at the names on it. And I've checked it a few times and this is absolutely the way they've done it. I have one great 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 grandfather I'm, I'm basically I'm making up the numbers of greats here trust me it's it's Victorian times so I've, I've got one great 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 grandfather and he is found on the census with two wives not at the same time one of them must have died or something and they're both called Mary and um, they between them what I've managed to find is 23 kids 23 kids which is stupid in, his, in and of itself but of those kids, there's um, the eldest is Mary. There's a few others. Then they've got a Mary Ann. <laughs> then they've got a Ma- Mary Jane. <laughs> uh, then there's a Mariah. And finally, there's another Mary. I mean, 23 is a lot of kids, but it is not really that much that you have to then start repeating the names of the kids. It must have been so confusing. It's okay. Mary's moved out. We can have call this one Mary. <laughs> That must be what happened, <laughs> I'm assuming. And there are still some mysteries in my family. Like um, we hear when we've heard stories, my um, dad's side in particular, about family members who've done this or that. Um, doesn't seem to, I can't really, really find a trace of it. But um, one thing that my dad said is that his mother, who was a beetle-browed beauty, with black hair and, you know, one eyebrow. And she was um, not really one eyebrow. She was just very thick eyebrows. And, oh, God, she looked just like my dad as well. So, like like a lovely version of my dad. Oh, dear. Well, I suppose I am, um, in a way. But imagine the 50s, the, the black waved hair. And she was very glamorous. But she was a publican's wife. As granddad was a publican. Sam Bolton. <laughs> My dad's mother, Alice, always used to reckon that um, her side of the family was moneyed. And I've I've looked, they aren't. I've seen like some things that she can kind of like pretend might be where the money might have gone missing. I'm, I was looking, you know, I heard there might be money. I'm looking for where it's gone to see if, you know, I can get any to me. But she reckoned that, you know, her family were well-to-do and that her mother had married beneath her. And so that is why she deserved, 
you know, to wear like first dolls and go off to Rotary Club dinners. That's about as posh as we ever got. Uh, um, you know, definitely no Danny Dyer revelations in my family tree so far. I have managed to find my family on both sides going back as far as the 17th century, 16 something. And I have not found anybody better than an agricultural labourer that far back. One of the one of the agricultural labourers' dads was a clockmaker, and his uncle was a paper manufacturer. But after that, pretty much descended into poverty. Before that, my agricultural labourer. So it's just a brief glimpse of some talent. That's it. That is the dilemma. If I ever get famous, it's like what they're going to find out for me. I've done it all. So yeah, this is the week that I'm going to have my surgery. I did joke to my arts lab chums that, you know, with so much taking out of my belly, I might as well have a TV put in there so that I could become a Teletubby. Who knows what what this going to be like? I mean, um, I'm quite nervous. I really am. But I'm making sure that I've got the day before off work. And I hate to say it, I'm probably going to have to use that day sort of like sorting out my allotment because... Yes, the courgettes are growing everywhere. Tomatoes have exploded. There's still some beans uh, going. But the rest of it has, has just got really, really weedy. But I've just been too busy and too tired to go and sort it out. So, yeah. They did say to me, make sure you're in top shape before you go in for your surgery. And I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i be going in with the hardened physique of a, an allotment digger. And my surgery is on the 15th. Um, and I'm supposed to be in for a couple of days, three days. And like, if you're thinking of visiting, I'm on Frank Spencer Ward. Oh, oh I did say that I'm um, <laughs> that I was on Frank Spencer Ward because it's really just Spencer Ward because there's the Spencer family in Northampton. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, I'm, I expect me to wake up uh, on a pair of roller skates and just just come gliding out of there. I'm sure that would be just exactly what it's like. But you know what else is on the 15th? Yes, Dublin World Con would have started the 15th. So I am having my surgery on the first day of Dublin World Con, which I was supposed to have been going to. So I'm going to be having to live everybody's experience of Dublin very vicariously indeed. And my book launch for the best of British science fiction 2018 that I won't be able to go to now, of course, is going to be at half past five on the 17th. So I will still be in hospital then, I think. Um, so if anybody can find a way of getting in touch with me, I'll, I'll Skype you, I'll FaceTime you, whatever, from the launch. Let me be there in some form. I really like it. Or can somebody pretend to be me? Hey, George R. R. Martin's there. Can someone get hold of him? Uh, you know, because he's short, I'm sure. He's not drunk, but, you know, it, it's a close enough approximation. So just just like, get him to pretend to be me at my launch. That'd be, that'd be cool. But hopefully I will be out of, out of hospital by next weekend so that I don't have to sort of, like, do my podcast from my hospital bed. Though, if I am still there, I have got the app on my phone, just in case I just won't be able to edit as well. <laughs> But of course, as well, Edinburgh continues without me. It's on for the entire month. Of course it is. So I thought I'd better let you know, this is what my award-winning chums, because we are award-winning, are up to in Edinburgh uh, for the rest of the um, rest of the, the month. So if you're in town, why not give these shows a go? 
Uh, so first up, we've got Will Seawood, and he's doing a midnight show every day called Will Seawood's Spooky Midnight Ghost Stories, Volume 6, at the Gilded Balloon. I imagine Will Seawood would do a very, very good spooky story. That's how he talks. It's very Brian Blessed. And um, then there's, there's Nigel Lovell, and he's doing his show called Mocking a Murderer, and that's at the Barbados Complex every day at half past six. And he's also presiding over the rather misleadingly titled Worst Show of the Fringe at Subway at half past two. So that is a show where if you've ever had a one-star rating review, then you can get to take part in that show. Some of the most awesome people, most awesome talents, have at one stage in their life received a really bad review, perhaps that they didn't deserve. And so this is your chance to see some really good people who have had that honour. One star. And if you look on my website I have a few more shows to recommend to you as well and uh, I've also got some fresh videos that were taken by Dave Dinsdale aka Dinsey of Bitter Man Films. He's a bitter man. Including a montage of happenings from last July's Bushfest and my set from that in its entirety. So for the remainder of this week I'm going to be trying to stay really really positive and just think about all the good things that will be happening after I've recovered from surgery, which is, should be in about six weeks' time. But while I'm still recovering, I've got my birthday coming up. I don't know what to do for that. Anyone got any suggestions um, for somebody who probably can't move very much? And I'm thinking about my plans for next year as well, some festivals and fringe things that I'm going to be appearing at when I'm better. Uh, and one thing I've got pretty much all plan to go to is uh, Celsius 232 which I think is the same as Fahrenheit 451 the Ray Bradbury story in Spanish and that happens every year in Avilis in Spain and they have like a, an English language section of that but I really loved going to Barcelona's Eurocon um, about three years ago and I'm desperate to go back to Spain to, to, to meet up with all my freaky friends I've just booked tickets to go see Baby Metal as well. Yay. So, you know, that is for me staying positive. So I'm going to get, get past the surgery. And Namatara Ikanzio, as Baby Metal would say. No, I, except I don't mean that because that means I would die for it, which I won't. What else can I say? Kitsune, kitsune, watashi wa megitsune. Yeah, indeed. Thank you very much for listening once again to the Lemonade budget for champagne social butterflies and hopefully you have been inspired um soon i will be doing things like interviews i'm trying to work out how i'm going to get them in um perhaps in person with multi-directional microphones or even over skype so i'm just working out how to do that then i'm going to approach all the people that i want to interview for my for my podcast um if you'd like to be on it just let me know i'll uh, i'll give you a consideration because I'm sure you're awesome. Yes, you are. No, you are. You are. You're so awesome. You really are. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Okay, bye.